Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast, episode 10. This is your host, Ben Cohen. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Mike, how are you doing today? Ben, I am just super duper, to use the words of our eloquent president, uh, from today when he unveiled the new Space Force flag. Or is it Space Farce? I forget. Bigger and better than everybody else's, right? Exactly. So (laughs) just to bring people up to speed, uh, I'll quote from an NPR report uh, from Friday. Trump teased what he called a new weapon that could attack at such high speed it would overwhelm an enemy's defenses. Trump said, we have, I call it, the super duper missile. And I heard the other night, it's 17 times faster than what they have right now. It wasn't immediately clear what missile the president was describing, but the U.S. and other advanced powers are known to be developing new hypersonic weapons designed to race at many times the speed of sound. And like, of course it wasn't immediately clear what Trump was talking about, because he just makes it up as he goes along. Everyone else... The media, the citizens, his his own administration has to ask, like, what is this guy talking about? And this perfectly just dovetails with, with what we're going to get into on Obamagate in a, in a minute. Who knows what the, what the man talks about? Who knows what he means ever? Uh, and I think that, you know, this is this is going to lead us into uh, Obamagate, the, the new fictional conspiracy, the conspiracy theory he's just spread all over the Internet. But um before we get into that, let's, we're just going to give a quick like outline of what we're going to talk about today. So first, we're going to talk about Obamagate. We're going to talk about Tara Reid and, and Joe Biden, new developments in the story. We're going to talk about the Michigan protesters uh, and the legislature not holding a session because of armed uh, nutjobs threatening to uh, basically derail the hearings, uh, derail the sessions. We've got the Wisconsin Supreme Court invalidating stay-at-home orders. And Mike, your favorite topic in the world, uh, which is Elon Musk. And we'll talk about Pfizer renewal, the the Democrats' complete failure on the Pfizer renewal uh, bill as well. So let's get going. Obamagate. Obamagate. By the way, I'm hoping we, we take too long on these other topics so we don't get to Elon Musk because he enrages me so. <laughs> uh, almost as much as Trump. And and by the time we would get to that, I, I feel like I would be out of gas. So, <laughs> OK, well, it, <laughs> there's definitely a lot to talk about. I'm going to read from The New York Times here about the new Obamagate conspiracy theory. So this is from The New York Times today. President Trump has embarked on an aggressive new drive to rewrite the narrative of the Russia investigation by making dark and unsubstantiated accusations that former President Barack Obama masterminded a sinister plot to bring him down. On Twitter, on television, in the Rose Garden, and even on an official White House social media page, Mr. Trump in recent days has taken aim at his most recent predecessor in a way that no sitting president has in modern times, accusing Mr. Obama of undefined and unspecified crimes under the vague but politically charged catchphrase, Obamagate. The president went even further on Thursday by demanding that Mr. Obama be hauled before the Senate to, quote, testify about the biggest political crime and scandal in the history of the USA, a scenario that itself has no precise precedent in American history. Within hours, Mr. Trump's most faithful Republican ally in the Senate promptly announced that he would indeed investigate, although he would probably not summon Mr. Obama. That was Lindsey Graham, I believe. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, you're asking me what the fuck? Like, I know? Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah. What the? I don't. I'm still trying to fix. So I, I've done a lot of digging on this, and I have literally no idea what he's talking about. None. I I don't understand what this is about. Like he's just invented a uh, uh, a crime that Obama has committed, and uh, nobody knows what it is or what it's about. What is he talking about? Do you have Do you have any idea what he's talking about here? I, I don't know what he's talking about. I think I know what he's doing, and he is taking the approach of an onion writer to this. So at the onion, what they do is they write the headlines first and then worry about the article later. That's what Trump is doing. And just like the onion, whatever Trump finally says what Obamagate actually is, 
it'll be parody. It'll be bullshit. Yeah, just make it up. Make up a, a theory and then hope that your your stooges and lackeys will come in and fill in the gaps. It's insane. I, I really liked Obama's uh, response to this. Did you see what Obama, how Obama responded? Vote. Vote. Yeah, that was the one. <laughs> one the one tweet that he sent out in response to this, which is typical of, of, of Obama, like doesn't say more than is necessary. Um, and I think that really that's the only way out of this mess is to uh, vote this guy out of power. It's, it's completely fucking insane. And the fact that Fox News, Fox News has dedicated hours of coverage to this um, with all, all the little idiots on the network taking it seriously even though nobody knows what he's talking about it's it's something about from what i understand it's something to do with obama age trying to set up um, michael flynn who's basically exonerated this is a michael flynn by the way is a guy who pled guilty he 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 pled guilty and and then um, attorney general william barr uh, threw out the case to a case that he's pled guilty to this is nuts they, they've hit a bit of a snag there because they've asked because technically right now the Flynn case is in the sentencing phase, but the Justice Department has come in. They're basically saying that they're they're dropping the charges or want to drop the charges against Flynn. But as you pointed out, he's already pleaded guilty and they're now in the sentencing phase. And the judge in the case, uh, Judge uh, Sullivan, he he has he's thrown a serious wrench in that. So the federal government is no longer, my understanding is they are no longer prosecuting the case themselves. And now they uh, the judge is accepting amicus briefs, which are our friend friend of the court briefs, where you know parties who aren't directly involved in the case, nonetheless submit legal briefs either on behalf of the prosecution or the defense. And so the, the Flynn thing is still very much up in the air, but of course a, a pardon is always on the table. Um, and it would not surprise me in the least if at some point Trump exercises his pardon power to, um, you know, give Mike Flynn a walk. Oh yeah, I think that's 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 going to happen. I mean, they're talking about bringing him back into the administration. I mean, this is a guy who pled guilty to twice to lying to the FBI about about his discussions with the Russian with the Russian diplomat in the during uh, 2016 when Trump was transitioning into power. Uh, this is, <laughs> I mean, extraordinary. I guess this is all Trump has, though, right? I mean, this is the only thing that he thinks he can get some play on, right? Where he can create enough doubt and there's enough misdirection. I mean, Obama, whatever you might say about the guy, he is one of the squeakiest. He's squeaky clean, right? There, how many scandals were there during the Obama administration? Well, if you ask Republicans, there are many. But I mean, actual. Well, <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, the tan suit. That's toward the top of the list. I said he liked arugula at one point, I think, as well. That was bad. <laughs> You're not a fan of arugula? I thought you hated kale. <laughs> no, it was a root. So, so no, I, yes, I hate kale. That's an, I can go on for a whole podcast episode about that. But no, apparently he said the word arugula, and that, that was uh, offensive to uh, Sean Hannity and other Republicans because arugula is like, a, it's not American. That was, uh, that was I think, and it was arugula get. I don't know if it was how big the scandal was, but that's what they were getting him on. It, it's the mother of all, get you know, what aboutisms, but what aboutism that isn't true, that there's nothing there. Also, I mean, it's kind of mad that Obama's popular, Obama has huge popularity still. He's the most popular um, president alive today. Right? There are no other presidents who are as popular as Obama's. You know, he's standing with independents, he's standing with Democrats, he's very high. Obviously, with Republicans, it's low, but you can kind of, you know, apparently it's somewhere in, it's like six, over 60% Obama's popularity. So why Trump would choose to use this? I mean, it's it's a very short-lived diversion tactic. I, you know, they're, they're, it's going to work for a bit while people kind of figure out what he's talking about. But the fact is, is that there, as of today, I think there were 86,000 people who've died from the coronavirus in America today. 86,000. 
and and this is his way of trying to evade any responsibility for this whatsoever to try to distract you know the american public as much as he's going to come up with more stuff you you can no doubt that that this guy is going to he's going to try everything he's going to throw as much shit against the wall and see what sticks i think this is just him throwing some shit against the wall and seeing if it sticks but he seems like he's gone all in one of the he's gone literally all in saying it's the biggest scandal in american history I think your point about Obama's popularity is spot on, which means not only could this strategy from Trump be short lived, it could be and futile. It could be downright counterproductive for him. Trump is like highlighting the Obama administration. And so Biden was obviously part of that as vice president. So the idea that you know, you would try to smear one of the more popular presidents or the most popular living president, as you said, and try to smear him and basically remind people that, you know, Joe Biden was there too. I don't know, that, that could very well backfire. But getting back to the, the thing about like what Trump hopes to accomplish by, you know, bringing up Obamagate and, and the Justice Department Remember, there is an active investigation being conducted by the U.S. Attorney of Connecticut, by the, a guy by the name of John Durham, who essentially has been directed by Bill Barr, who has been directed by Bill Barr to investigate the investigation of President Trump vis-a-vis uh, -vis the, the Mueller report and Jim Comey and that whole chain of events. And... You have Bill Barr, who is breaking precedent quite extraordinarily by actually commenting on active investigations. It's a longstanding Justice Department policy not to, to comment on active investigations, but you had Bill Barr in an interview recently saying that he was uh, astonished by what investigators were finding and, and, and this sort of thing. And he also ended up saying history will be written by the winners, which is a, an extremely disturbing thing to hear from the chief law enforcement officer of the United States. So it may very well be the case that the I mean, we know the Justice Department is at this point essentially Trump's personal law firm and also basically his. Uh, chief investiga investigatory arm. Like the Justice Department is now a, it's a wholly owned subsidiary of the Trump organization. And, 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 I, and I think, but what, you know, what they're setting themselves up for unwittingly is in the next administration, when they, they, they can be investigated, right? Like, I think there was a good thing that apparently Joe, Joe Biden uh, commit, said, committed today that he, there'll be no presidential pardons of anyone in the Trump administration when he, if he gets in. These guys, uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't understand it. I mean, you would have thought just even a kind of like, if, just pretend to be, pretend at least to be biased. Do a little bit more about pretending to be non-biased as opposed to, just flat out stating, yeah, we're going to, we, we are, history's going to be written by the winners and we are going to win. And that means we're going to investigate anybody we want. We're going to basically subvert the court, you know, we're going to subvert justice wherever we see fit. I mean, this is fine until they get out of power. And once they're out of power, they, they a lot of these guys can get into serious trouble. One hopes, you know, if you have a, if, if uh, Biden brings in a, a real attorney general, uh, a seriously independent attorney general, I mean, the investigations are going to go on for years over this abuse of power. It's it's absolutely insane. I mean, I think that, you know, Lindsey Graham, uh, did you see Lindsey Graham's response to Trump demanding that Obama be hauled up in front of the Senate? And Lindsey I, Graham was like, uh, you know, what we might want to do, we might not want to do that because it sets a bad precedent. Because at least Lindsey Graham is a snivelling little shit, but he, he also understands what can happen when the shoe is on the other foot. And I think he's trying to protect Trump from himself here, uh, which is, you know, <laughs> a thankless task. Yeah. Lindsey Graham is essentially a barnacle on one of Trump's ass cheeks. And for him to you throw cold water on the notion uh, is saying something. But who knows? You know, I, who, who, who knows what will happen between now and 
and November because, you know, Trump is going to pull out all the stops and, you know, we're going to be talking about Hunter Biden and Burisma and Biden's alleged connections with China as if Trump doesn't have any connections with China himself. What, what do you think uh, the right strategy is to deal with that? I mean, what, where do you think Hillary Clinton went wrong in 2016? Um, how much was she to blame? How much did the media to blame? Uh, and what about Biden? Is Biden, what do you think his strategy should be? given all the variables? Well, I think Hillary Clinton's big problem in 2016 is that she and her team took a lot of things for granted. Uh, they took the state of Wisconsin for granted, for example. You know, I, I don't believe they actually had any campaign rallies in Wisconsin in 2016, if I, if I recall correctly. So there was this idea of a blue wall that contained Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and you know, in Minnesota, and guess what happened? They lost three of those states. So I, I think there was a bit of complacency, especially after the Access Hollywood tape came out, even though it was like, in, you know, a couple of weeks before the election, it was like, ah, we got this. But even before that, it was like, oh, Trump's a moron. The American people aren't going to vote for this guy. Turns out they, they didn't in terms of numbers, but the way our system is organized with the Electoral College, he gets in. In terms of 2020, I was, you know, a couple podcasts ago, I, I was critical of Biden's approach where he, he kind of was, it seemed the Biden campaign was taking the approach that Trump will destroy himself. His handling of the coronavirus is just awful. He's awful in general as a human being. Just let him talk. We don't have to go on the attack. I was critical of that approach. They seem to have reverse themselves a bit in that regard. Biden's campaign has been putting out more critical ads. There was a uh, an ad that the, there was a, a video they put out that was for the most part pretty good, uh, basically timelining Trump's failures on coronavirus. Although the Biden campaign is still, they're a little obsessed with the China angle because Trump's hitting Biden on China you know, for being weak on China, and then Biden is hitting Trump back for being weak on China, which he has been. I think that's kind of a fool's errand, because at the end of the day, if, if this becomes about who's tougher on China, Trump as president, as opposed to a private citizen, which is what Biden is right now, Trump as president can do a lot of things. He, he can not only ratchet up the rhetoric, but he can impose more tariffs. He can authorize arms sales to Taiwan to bring us to the brink of World War III. He, he can do whatever he thinks is going to help him win re-election. So I, I don't think it's, it's very wise for Biden to, to really get into a fight over China. I think if you're him, you just, you bring it home and you just explain all of the ways that he has failed the American people in terms of downplaying it, in terms of lying about testing being available to anyone who wants to test, in terms of touting hydroxychloroquine as a, as a cure-all for this, or injecting yourself with bleach, or hitting the body with you know very powerful beams of light, and all of that stuff. I think you keep it simple. You don't get in a mud fight about China or anything like that. Just keep it domestically focused and all of the, and you emphasize all of the ways in which he has failed the public and in some cases gotten members of the public killed yeah i think you're you're spot on there um i and i have noticed i've seen you know the uh, the biden campaign has been a lot more aggressive recently they, they, there's been a lot of criticism of the biden campaign online um, uh, did you see the piece that was in the new york times david axelrod and and david plough wrote a piece basically you know criticizing the Biden campaign and saying you guys are too slow um you're not catching you're not aggressive enough you're letting him dictate the narrative etc etc i'm paraphrasing i don't know whether that's i can't remember the exact point that they made in the article but it was it was a very interesting article and they were not they were critical of the Biden campaign for basically being too slow Ben, not only did I see it, I mentioned it in last week's podcast. Were you not listening to me? Is there no communication in this relationship anymore? <laughs> did we talk about the New York Times article last week? I mentioned it in passing very briefly. Oh, so. uh, yeah. So, no, I mean, it was, but I think I think it seems to me 
that um you know i i've i've defended biden's campaign uh, thus far just because i think that we it's too early to tell what the strategy is and uh you know it's clear they've shifted a gear in the last week they've they've definitely been a lot more aggressive and i think you know a lot of that is just down to the fact that like we're in completely uncharted waters here and they've just fought, he's just fought a primary which isn't even over the primary isn't even actually technically over yet right so the number one uh number two you, you know biden's at home in his basement basically he can't leave and he's he he's uh i don't it's very incredibly difficult i i would imagine to try to pivot to a a general election campaign you know why you can't be around any of your team and everything's being done online and all the meetings are conducted online you know, you're trying to organize field workers online everything's done without any face-to-face contact or or much ability to kind of go places so i i think that you know <clears throat> i've all i've thought okay look like give them a little give them a little while to pivot you know to get their ducks in a row and um uh create a coherent strategy i think you were entirely right that there, there it seems that there wasn't a coherent strategy for, for going after trump but now i think you're starting to see one emerge uh, that he's being much more pointed in his attacks of of Trump, and he is highlighting, you know, all the ways in which Trump has fucked up. Uh, and I think that you're right; it has to be completely relentless. They have to just continually talk about Trump's failures. But they also need, you know, they need a positive message. They do. They need to like. And I think there were some really good um, uh, developments. Uh, I think he he brought on um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez for climate change uh, to, to sort of to run a whole um, look at you know policies on climate change um, they're they're working a lot more closely with Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders uh, people so I think that that's good I think that's extremely good it's clearly he's trying to bridge the divide between the centrists and the progressives and uh, hopefully that will at least kind of quieten down some of the criticisms of Biden and and lead to some good policies you know, I, I, but Biden is was he was always a bit too centrist for, for my liking, and I think that by bringing on a lot more of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, you know, you've got a broader array of policies. Number one, and you've got just you, you'll have a bigger base from which to attack Trump with. So I think that's good. We'll wait to see how effective Biden can be, but I think he needs to be everywhere all the time. He needs to be very present in everyone's in, in on everyone's Twitter feed. In Facebook, on the media, he needs to be fucking everywhere uh, to to make sure that people really know, like you know, what he's saying and what he's about. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Um, it's good that his team is going after Trump in this way, but I also think that Biden himself has to make the case personally. And I think this gets back to what I was saying last week. I think Biden should be cutting regular videos to proliferate on social media or even on TV where he outlines the failures of Trump and explains what he would have done and even more importantly, what he will do when he becomes president to alleviate the the suffering and loss of those uh, who have been affected by the coronavirus, whether that they whether they've had loved ones die from it, whether they've lost their jobs from it, and that sort of thing. So you know, like you said, it's it's important to outline. You know, it's important to say how you will improve the country. Right? Anyone can point out a problem. Uh, it takes some creative thinking to come up with solutions. Although in this case, like some of the solutions aren't that hard. Uh, like social distancing and you know staying at home and and all that stuff but unfortunately some people apparently can't adhere to to those guidelines yeah um so well, look, i think this 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 leads us well into the the um the next part we're going to talk about which is the tar reed accusations and biden's response and how how this is kind of coloring the the election uh, have you did you see some of the latest um revelations about tara reed that are, that are now being a politico broker story today and um there's been there's been a, several more updates to the story i saw a little bit about it but 
when it comes to he said, she said stuff, I, I just, I just have a general aversion to it. Like any, like when there's, when an accusation is made against somebody, I, and I don't know the people involved and if I wasn't there, if there's, if there's an absence of evidence one way or another, I just, it's, it's not something I immerse myself in, but obviously perhaps I should because it's quite important given that Joe Biden is the presumptive Democratic nominee. Yeah, I, I, and this is one of the reasons why I've followed this story quite closely is because, you know, the thought of having to basically, look, I'm going to defend the Democratic nom- nominee from a lot of Trump's attacks because Trump is basically, he, he, you can be almost certain that he's going to lie about absolutely everything. So unfortunately now, one of the media's jobs, the responsible media outlets, their jobs is to to debunk a lot of the the nonsense that that Trump chucks at Biden and try to sort out like what's a legitimate criticism and what's not a legitimate criticism. And, and this one I felt was a legitimate claim against Biden. I felt that this was actually like really troubling and, you know, potentially could, could tip the election to Trump if it turned out to be true. So incredibly worrying. I've, I've been extremely sort of, concerned about the Tara Reid story for for the, the, those reasons uh, and the fact that you know you know is Joe Biden not the good guy that he claims he is and is he are we going to have if Joe Biden gets in is if we just basically kind of not learned anything in the last four years from having a kind of a, a sexual predator uh, sorry an alleged sexual predator as, as president even though you know he's basically admitted it Trump has admitted sexually assaulting women on tape and his ex-wife is accusing him of rape. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely concerned me. And, and, and But, you know, there, there's I've followed this story for, for several weeks now and I keep sitting down to write a piece about it, but more information keeps coming out. So I have to kind of say, OK, well, I need to find out, you know, th- there's there are more rabbit holes I need to go down to ascertain whether this story is legitimate. And there are real causes for concern about Joe Biden's character and whether he should be running for office. You know, I mean, look, even if he did, if he did do what uh, Reid says he did, then I think that, uh, you, you know, you've got to go for the lesser of two evils, obviously. Like you've got one is a raving madman who's asking people to inject, in, you know, to drink bleach. Uh, so there's a sort of a um, self-preservation. Anyone interested in, in preserving what's left of the United States should want to vote for Joe Biden. But nevertheless, like, you know, this is this is this is important. And I think that the revelations that have come over in the last week or so have been pretty bad for Tara Reid. And I think that those people who are pushing the Tara Reid narrative which you're seeing on sort of pro Bernie Sanders outlets and uh, for, you know, and a lot of the right, a lot of Republicans as well, who've latched onto this story. What they're going to end up doing is they're going to end up really hurting Tara Reid a lot more because I think that it's now pretty clear that she's not psychologically well. Um, She's a very, there's a lot of kind of troubling information that's come out about her stories that she's made up, people that she's stolen from, Politico just run a, wrote a piece today that came out um, that looks into Tara Reid's history uh, in the 90s and um, and and in the in the 2000. Actually, yeah, from the time after her after her time with Joe, in Joe Biden's office up until recently, and it's it's pretty devastating. You know, she's she's basically lots of people who she's interacted with and 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 worked for have all accused her of basically being a lot li- a manipulative liar who has tried to kind of get money out of them. Um, and there are several people. Also, she accused her husband. Um, it's interesting that she accused her husband in an article she wrote of basically being a psychopath, um, of killing animals, threatening to kill their child um, and hit and beating her. And uh, so there's been court documents have been uncovered from their divorce proceedings. And what that paints is a very, very different picture of what happened at the time. A very, very different picture. The only person accused of physical violence was Tara Reid. She was accused of, 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 of um, hitting her ex-husband in the face. Um, 
so there's that there's also the fact that uh, she you know i think pbs interviewed lots of uh, 75 people who worked with joe biden all of them said no whispers of any sexual assault by joe biden nothing um no hint of any impropriety ever a lot of the story they say doesn't add up uh the one of the interestingly one of the men who worked with tara reed at the time recalls working with her and said you know he worked on her with her specifically on something that she was not competent at and she was demoted because of that she was demoted because she wasn't competent and she was making sort of really bad mistakes so this aide said that his said that contrary to her claim that she was moved out because she told um biden staff that she was sexually harassed or she was harassed uh she was she was basically kind of moved out or or her duties were taken away because she was incompetent it's also worth pointing out that the people that she claims she told about biden harassing her or making her uncomfortable have all come flat out denied that this ever happened that she spoke to them about anything so it's it's you know there's a lot of a lot of information that that's come out you know a lot of uh, one of the, the witnesses changed their story as well now politico found out that that one of the the witnesses who Tori told deliberately changed their story you know it's pretty bad it's pretty bad and it, i think that this now i i think that this is now means that this story is it's a dud now i think that the democratic voters can be confident that joe biden is not a sexual predator i'm 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 happy saying now that that i think that it didn't happen i think that that tara reed is is not not stay and not a stable person and she has a history of, of of manipulation and stealing things and making things up about people as well pretty appalling things you know accusing your husband accusing someone of, of abuse and and being an animal torturer and, and wanting to kill your child if that's not true and and i'm not saying it's not true but it looks that there's a lot of there's there is no evidence to show that that is true he denies the whole thing and the court documents show up that there's a whole different story behind their divorce proceedings that's pretty bad that you would say that about someone your assessment of the situation may very well be true you know looking into tarid's history to ascertain the degree to which she's credible uh, you know if you're a journalist doing that that's totally fair play especially considering the stakes involved this should have been something that was applied you know a couple of years ago because, again, I, I mentioned last week that liberals look really bad. They went from saying, believe women, not too long ago, to Tarid is not credible. Now, it may very well be the case that Tarid isn't credible. And I see some red flags in her stories and the accounts. And I, and I actually was just reading the Politico article that you referred to. And there's definitely a lot there to give someone pause. But we just need to... Like, yeah, just I, I hope we can we can realize I hope we can recognize that anytime somebody publicly makes an accusation against another person, whether that person is famous or powerful or not, it's fair game to look into that person's accusation. It's fair game to look into whether they're credible or not, because there's a lot at stake. You know, just just if these are two private individuals, right, if these are just two private individuals that nobody has heard of and one of them is coming coming out in public and tweeting or, or putting something out on Facebook, you know, so-and-so did this to me, that has huge implications for the person who's been accused. That's not to say that, like, you know, the, the, the person making the accusation shouldn't be believed, but it should be investigated and assessed on its merits. And in this case, not only do we have that dynamic, Tarid accusing Joe Biden of sexually assaulting her in 1993, but on top of that, at stake is four more years of Donald Trump or not four more years of Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, who by the way, has had way more accusers than Joe Biden has had and who has had I will say he has had more credible accusers, in my opinion, against him than Joe Biden has had. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I, I think you're right. But I also think that um, 
I think the Republicans should feel free to shut the fuck up, though, about um, about Tara Reid and uh, claiming that liberals are hypocrites, because uh, I, you know, I think that I don't want to hear it from from anybody on the right. They they are it's such a disingenuous argument to make. I think coming from them, it's coming from the right, given the fact that they've allowed they they've been hypocritical on so many issues regarding Trump that it's sort of you know at, right now there's very few Republicans. There's no Republican who supports Trump who I'd now take seriously or want to listen to at all on any subject whatsoever. So yes, I agree. I agree. You know, I think that liberals should have been more careful about about the you know with the whole Me Too movement. But I, again, I think that the uh, the criticisms coming from the right in particular are just you know I, I think they're not. You can we can just ignore them. Yeah, there's, there's, you know who else we can ignore, in my opinion? Who's that? The uber left who is championing Tara Reid as a way to sink the Biden campaign. And, and I think we know who I'm talking about here. On the left, there's a, a, a certain faction. It's the and you and you've talked about these folks before. You've talked about, you know, Nathan Robinson and Matt Taibbi and Gren and Glenn Greenwald. And they have pointed out rightly the hypocrisy of liberals when it comes to believe women and stuff like that. But when I, there's a limit when I read their their content, their tweets, their articles, and it's just like an incessant Democrat bashing festival. And it's like, OK, I get it. You know, I, I, I even agree with some of their points. But when you're on the left and the bulk of your efforts are spent trashing the Democratic Party, which, hey, I am all for. OK, I think the Democratic establishment needs to be smashed to smithereens. But we have an election coming up this year, which is going to determine the fate of the country. <laughs> We've never had a malignant narcissist in power before like this. I would like them to not shut the fuck up, but I would like them to kind of dish it out equally. I understand their problems with the Democratic Party, but it'd be nice to see them shit on the Republican Party. You know, the, the party that's actually in power right now, as opposed to the one that isn't. Yeah, that, and that's, what's, that's what sort of drives me crazy about the far left. Um, it's, it's, it's as if the Republican Party doesn't exist. And this has always been my issue with them is that, you know, they spend so much time obsessing over centrist Democrats and, and, and uh, those who aren't on the kind of Bernie Sanders left of the party, which is fine. You know, it's, it's, a open, it's, a, it's a freedom of the press. You can say what you want. And also the people on the Bernie left, are, they can say what they want and they can have different policy ideas and et cetera, et cetera. But when your criticism is essentially, it, it, it's like a vacuum, right? They they live in a, in a sort of this weird bubble where the Republican Party and Trump doesn't really exist, right? So they they are, and the, the real evil doers are the corporate Democrats, are the centrist Democrats who are the worst. You know, they're just is just as bad as Trump. You can just say, you know, they're just as bad as Trump. I heard David Sirota on Twitter was was he sort of admitted that Joe Biden might not be quite as bad as Donald Trump. I mean, what what fucking planet is this guy living on? Right. This is if you can't see the difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, you, you, at this point, you're an idiot. Right. It, it's not difficult to see that one person is attached to reality, believes in he's running on. You know, if you want to look historically speaking, how progressive Joe Biden's platform is, it's the most progressive platform of any political candidate in history. Right. Is it progressive enough for me? No. I'd like it to be more left. I'd like it to go more along the lines of where Elizabeth Warren is, you know, it, to, to Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders would not be considered a radical in Europe. He'd be considered, a, you know, just a regular left wing person. Right. That's pretty much where I am on most subjects is where Bernie Sanders is. Would I like to see Biden go there? Yes. Right. Am I going to burn down the entire party because I'm not going to get everything that I want? No, it's, you're, 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 it's insane and it's childish. And, and a lot of the, there, I think um, Amanda Marcotte in Salon came up with a good term for a lot of these um, brochurists, as you would call them. She called them the faux left grifters, I think it was. 
right? And and they're basically out there to try to, you know, they they've got a kind of little it's a little cottage industry they make of of sh- of shitting on Democrats and doing nothing else other than shitting on Democrats. It, and it's it's uh, it's it's a shame. It's a it's a real shame because. You look at Matt Taibbi, great journalist, was a great journalist, and now he just sort of has descended into the kind of green world echo chamber where where all he wants to do all day is shit on Joe Biden, which is just okay, fine, but like like you say, like let's just dole it out evenly. Let's just you know, let's concentrate on on the Trump administration and also Russiagate. I mean. This was another thing that at least another. This is a whole other topic to get into. But if you can't see the evidence for Trump clearly trying to work with Russia, having some very dubious links to the Russian government, and trying to obstruct justice during the investigation, then I I don't know what to say. Like it's just, I, I, it kind of blows my mind that intelligent people are saying that there's nothing to see here. But that's what's going on on the far left. They just say it's nothing to see here, you know move on the democrats are just they they've gone insane and look admittedly some democrats went way too far with the whole russiagate thing they they you know it was they did go a bit nuts but it doesn't mean there was nothing to there was nothing to talk about so you know i i don't know what this why they do this but it's it's uh it's not good it's not productive and i think that you know and they are basically beating this tara reed story to death and they what they're going to end up doing is hurting tara reed even more because other other publications are going to dig into Tari's background, and they're what they're find, and they are, and what they're finding is not good. What they're finding is really fucking troubling, and it makes her look like a crazy person. And the crazier she looks, uh, the more abuse she's. Got. I mean, I feel bad for this woman. You know, I, I do. Like, I, I really do. I, I think that she's got herself into a mess that she, she doesn't fully understand what's about to happen to her or what's happening to her. The, it's the a lot of these far left brochelists who are doing this to her and 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 it's not good they're using her as a political pawn really uh, to, to to try and get to try and take down biden and that's 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 shameful i don't know if they're using her as a political pawn i i feel like they see her as an opportunity to yeah. hit the yeah to hit the democratic establishment i mean you know they, they may very well believe her in in which case they are you know, totally justified, you know, in their minds to to promote this story and go after Joe Biden. Uh, but to, to answer your or to uh, respond to something you said about like, you know, you don't know why they do this. I think there's a certain it's a very niche uh, audience that they're speaking to. And so it's basically like they're very left. I don't know if they're the purity left or what you want to call them. Like they don't want to vote for the Democratic establishment candidate. And so they get their jollies off by not so much going after Trump by like, but by hitting the Democratic establishment up to and including Joe Biden. And so they're producing content along those lines and they're getting positive reinforcement through shares on Facebook and retweets and views on their websites and all that. And, 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 you know, I, I'm sure you felt this as well, because we, we've both been in the publishing business for, for a long time. When you produce content of a certain type, if you produce enough content, you come to learn what your audience likes. And not that you or I would, would you know, just write articles for the sake of, of getting views. But if you're deciding what you're going to cover, you know, if you're going to cover you know, if it's between topic A and topic B, and topic B has historically performed better for you from a view standpoint, then if you're kind of like 50-50, you'd probably be inclined to go with topic B because you know that is going to perform better than topic A, which, you know, might be about climate change or something like that, which un- which incredibly does not do very well uh, from a web traffic standpoint. Yeah, no, I, I think there's definitely a lot of truth in that, you know, and I think everybody in the media who runs a media outlet or who works for a media outlet is going to be guilty of this to some degree. It's but, you know, I try to make a point of 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 being as open and honest as I can about these things and writing about things that I'm not comfortable with. Like, for example, I, I you know, when Bill, Bill Clinton 
it transpired um, with, with the whole Trump thing about Trump sexually assaulting women and things like that. Uh, I wrote a piece about Bill Clinton and I said, look, I think that Bill Clinton is probably he probably did rape at least, you know, one of the women who he was accused of raping. Uh, Juanita Broderick, I think, was was one of them who I found her case to be compelling. Uh, and I and I said I wrote it. It didn't go down well. It didn't go down well with 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 uh, with the readers, you know. <laughs> but I got to be honest. I got to say what I see, and I think that this is what a lot of, you know, I, there's one guy, Michael Tracy, uh, who who. Oh God. <laughs> you know what? I got to say on this one, he's actually been, he's actually been, we honest about it. He thinks that the whole Tara Reid story is bullshit. And he's been out there, and he's not—he's 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 uh, not being very popular on his Twitter feed. He thinks the Russia ho- the Russia stuff is—he's—he's he's crazy, but the Tara Reid thing—he's been honest about it. He said, "Like, I think that this woman is lying, and I think that the the, the intercept and the and the and the, all the writers at the intercept and all the kind of Bernie left are basically embarrassing themselves with this story." So I was quite like. You know, I don't like to give that guy praise, but I'll give him praise on this one. You know, it's like he's he's saying things that are not popular with his readers, which is more than Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald and Nathan J. Robinson and um, Katie Halper, who basically and the Young Turks, who just all they do is feed red meat to their to their to their viewers, you know, and that's it. And they don't. And I was particularly disappointed with Matt Taibbi because I thought Taibbi. Was, was better than that i did i did think toby was was more was had more sort of uh integrity than that but it turns out that he's he's found a little niche audience and he's going to be he's going that's where he is now that's where he's going to plug his stories and that's how he's going to make his living which is fine you know but it's i don't take i don't just don't i can't take him seriously anymore because of his st- a stance on russia and b well actually you know he had you know he's been notably quiet about tar reed which is interesting uh, he hasn't he hasn't said much at all, which is which I find very interesting, um, and I think that's probably because he has a personal history of of misogyny uh, that he doesn't want people coming after him about either. So he's probably that's why he's keeping quiet. I would imagine. Regarding Michael Tracy, he was in the bag for Tulsi Gabbard in the primary, and he was very much in the same boat as Taibbi and Greenwald. And when Gabbard dropped out of the race and endorsed Joe Biden he suddenly fell in line and it was really weird. Like any, like any principles that he professed to have, like about being anti, because Tulsi Gabbard played ball. She dropped out and she, uh, you know, against what everyone else was saying, including Hillary Clinton, she made, she made that ridiculous claim about Gabbard being groomed by the Russians. She didn't mention her by name, but she just kind of like threw that out there with no evidence, which to me, it was like, all right, come on. If you're going to throw a bomb out there like that, Hillary, give some reasoning behind it. Just just don't say it and let the media run with it. But as soon as Gabbard endorsed Biden, Tracy just fell in line and he just like totally abandoned the, the Greenwald and Taibbi ship. But with, oh, I hadn't uh, realized that. I hadn't realized. So is that so he is he not trying to take down Biden? Is he following uh, Tulsi Gabbard? I have not kept up with his writings uh, or his uh, Twitter account recently, but when Gabbard dropped out and endorsed Biden, he put his he endorsed Biden himself, and a lot of his followers were upset with him, and it was just really funny to, to, see, to see him go from you know Tulsi or bust, if you will, to eh, Joe's the guy. You know, I mean, look, if he, if he, you know, if it's genuine, then good. Or if, or if it's just because of Tulsi Gabbard, then he's a weird guy. Like Michael Tracy is a weird guy. I think he's, and look, anybody who supports Tulsi Gabbard is fucking weird too. Like she's, she's a strange, I don't know. I can't, I, Tulsi Gabbard supporters are weird. I don't, I don't, I don't get Tulsi Gabbard and I don't get her supporters either. Anyway, I think and it, it's, uh, it's a shame to see what's happening with the far left and it's the same thing what's happening with the far right and i think that the, the end of the day the tar reed tar reed is about is she's about to enter a very nasty period now where she's about to get dismantled by the media 
they're about to just completely eviscerate her and destroy her, her completely destroy her story and it's and it's you know i don't think this story should have ever been promoted in the first place yeah that's my that's my opinion i as soon as i read stuff about her history i'm like okay this is bad this is like the media the, clearly the media is, is is trying to figure out they're, they're not reporting on this for a reason it's not because there's some grand conspiracy between cnn and the dnc it's because the story's got a fuck ton of holes in it which is what the vox article said the vox writer said look i she wanted to break this story but she couldn't do it because they, she couldn't get anyone to corroborate the details in reed's allegations and she basically just felt that reed was not consistent you know so so but the story's being pumped to death uh, by 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 the far mostly the far left and the far right and and I think the, the only person that gets hurt here is Ta, is Tara Reid unfortunately it's not having an effect on Biden it's not it's not affecting him in the polls you know so I think it's uh, yeah I, I just see this as ending badly for Tara Reid so it looks like we're out of time but I think we you know we're gonna we will get to the Michigan protesters and the legislature not holding a session because of the because they were armed to the teeth and Wisconsin um, the Supreme Court invalidating the stay at home order and Mike your favorite topic the fight uh, um, Elon Musk and then also uh, the Democrats getting on board with Pfizer renewal so we'll talk about what we're gonna do we're gonna release another podcast on Tuesday where we'll finish up uh, what we talked about we got sidetracked here talking about uh tar reed and joe biden it's an important topic and um, you know i'm glad we got to cover it in full uh because i think it's definitely worthy of of a you know full-length discussion so but we'll follow up with with a with a bonus podcast we'll call it ben i have a confession to make we didn't get sidetracked i purposely sabotaged this recording so we didn't have to talk about elon musk <laughs> i basically filibustered yeah, it's nice to it's nice to leave on on a high, and I think that I think that is a high. You know, look, I think that, the, that there's a lot to be positive about. Is as bad as this might seem, there's a lot to be positive about. Biden's up in the polls. The Tara Reid story appears to be falling apart and not damaging him. Trump is basically digging his own grave. Viewed in a certain light, this 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 is good. As bad as it might be, there are some positive trends happening at the moment. Who knows what happens in the future? So, Mike, don't be too depressed this weekend. It's not all doom and gloom. Are you sure? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, if you are not a Bantam member right now, please become a Bantam member. You can sign up. You usually, if you're listening to this in the email, you can sign up. You get a 50% discount on a year's membership. And read Mike's website. Read Mike's blog. It's great. NewDealDemocrat.com. Thanks for the plug, Ben. Yeah, and thank you everyone for listening. All right, we'll see you on Tuesday.